from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine. And everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. It was just a few weeks ago that Freddie and I did a whole uh, kind of planning stages video talking about all the things I'm hoping to do and accomplish in my Star Wars room. Then I moved in to the new house, and the bonus room upstairs was like the least important in terms of like trying to get the house livable. Then people in the Discord were like, uh, hey, I want to know about that Star Wars room. You teased it. You told us all your plans, and uh, you know, give us something. Then, all of a sudden, I would come up here and get overwhelmed <laughs> by how much stuff there was to do. I mean, just boxes everywhere. What we count? Over 40 boxes of Star Wars collectibles? Um, they were just all over the room. I, I just felt absolutely paralyzed. My desk was in shambles. This cheap sucker that we bought at like a, I don't know, uh, yard sale 10 years ago uh, had just totally you know fallen apart on me, as did one of my bookshelves. Long story short, I finally have started working on the Star Wars room, and I'm excited to reveal my 12-foot by 8-foot photo mural of the Yavin hangar. It is behind me. I'm going to have it looking better lit in future weeks but uh, for tonight, that's what you guys can see. Um, you guys got a you got a picture for me, Rick? Like a better lit one to show off to the good folks what we got here? Yes. It's such a nice background. That, man, it looks like, you know, it could just be like a Zoom background, right? But no, this is a 12 foot by 8 foot photo mural that I friggin' plastered to the wall. <laughs> uh, almost ended my marriage, let's be honest. <laughs> it was so unbelievably difficult to put up. And uh, it's here, and it looks awesome. You know, it looks uh, it would look better if I had a better lit in the room tonight. But like, uh, I did go out for the record in the snowstorm to try to get a battery for my LED strip lights to light this thing. Got the battery, didn't crash, hmm. almost did, <laughs> and it still doesn't work. But um, very excited to get the show this off. Freddie, when we discussed it, I said like, you know, I don't think I'm going to do the photo mural because it kind of feels like a shortcut. Yeah. Then I got in the room and was like, I definitely need a shortcut because this is a lot of work. <laughs> it's amazing. That that I I would love to do that on my wall. I feel like there's enough space there. I might I might be able to get uh Han and Carbonite or uh Ooh, that'd be sick. Or you know, like a portal to to like the Millennium Falcon. You know, like Oh. A, yeah. No, I'll tell you this much. The I'll send you a link to the website. Komar hmm. is the name of the company. They've got like a hundred Star Wars photo murals. Oh, man. Uh, there's some really cool ones. My daughter said when she saw how many there were I was going through on the website, uh, she looked at me and she said, Dad, you could collect these. Oh. <laughs> she, she said, you could put them on your other walls. Mm. And I was like, I do like to collect things. And my wife was like, no. <laughs> Got it, baby. I'm not helping you with another one of these. What's that, Freddie? I'm um, just saying I, I definitely would agree with your child. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and you're cool. Dude, and you're okay. <laughs> my uh, my wife's friend, when she showed them, she was like, "Well, at least they make these in. Um, at least they make wallpaper now with peel and stick." And my wife said, "It was not peel and stick." Ooh. And then uh, Rebecca's friend said, "Well, at least you have something to remember him by now that you've murdered him." <laughs> uh, uh, that's perfect. But I have a fun announcement concerning the photo mural, mm. concerning the Star Wars room, mm. and that is. Tomorrow, launching for our $10 and up patrons, tomorrow, we have a 10-ish minute video chronicling the painting and uh, all the trials involved, as well as the, the, uh, the assembly of the Star Wars mural going up on Patreon, to Patreon tomorrow that I am very excited to get to share nice. with the world. There's a couple of twists cool. and turns along the way. Mm. I'm going to give a big shout-out to our buddy Nathan. Nathan, who's been on the show for uh, the Jedi Academy Roundtable, right? Um, Nathan, they put together the video for me in less than 24 hours' notice. Wow. So that is huge. Uh, huge shout-out to Nathan. Uh, do have a, a great question here in the chat. Is that R2 to scale? Uh, that'd be a no. <laughs> it's not just it is tiny it's this big but i'm trying to put it in the room just right where it kind of looks like art of perspective you know kind of looks like it could fit you see what i'm saying like it could be you could have a 
and like an R2 unit wandering around the room, right? Yeah. 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 All about the perspective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to even assemble some of those crates to put over in the corner. Oh, like those, yeah. Where it looks like they're kind of coming out of the room. You're going to. And that's where I'm going to stash the stuff that doesn't fit on my shelves. Nice. Yes. It's going to be like the volume in your house. Uh, you know what the volume is? Uh, yeah. That new filmmaking tool they're using for everything now. <laughs> Mandalorian yeah. and stuff, but that'd be awesome. Where you can have some practical and uh, printed uh, graphics, man. That's, that's cool, exciting. I like got that. a lot of fun stuff planned for the room. This was one thing I wanted to go ahead and get done because we're having new carpets put in. Uh, previous owners had a dog, also an indoor rabbit, so the whole house kind of got that uh, wild animal smell. So you know, uh, we're redoing all the carpets. My thought was if I get all the painting done. Any drips, they're just going to go. They're just going to take the carpets yeah. away, right? So uh, this was this was intense, especially as I had the room such a huge friggin' mess <laughs> and wanted to have it ready for Thursday. Uh, here's a spoiler for the video. At one point, got my days of the week wrong. And then all of a sudden, I realized that I had an extra day. So that was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, Freddie, you said you've got something that you're working on, too. I, like, I've got my secret project that I'm excited <laughs> to announce to the world. What you got going on over here, man? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, still fairly in development. There's a lot happening still. But uh, it's going to be a new take on, on Star Wars, uh, including Legends and everything else in between. Uh, it's a bit of a cinematic experience. And you know what? I think I'll just leave it there for now. What? A cinematic experience, yes. including Legends? I know that you've gotten some new video equipment, so exactly. uh, I'm excited excited uh, to see what you're going to do. Let's see. Rick, Rick uh, he's going to have his hand in it, too, So and, and so are you. You don't even know it yet. That's how... If it's a video project, you want Rick. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. But if I want a nice Exarcoon-style background, I know where to go. <laughs> well, I've got, you. I've got that for sure. I've got 12 feet of it, in fact. Man. Absolutely. Um, it was a ton of work. I'm very excited to get to show it with everybody. Um, excited to share it with the $10 and up uh, patrons tomorrow. But tonight's show is free for all. Excited to dump this on the world. I mean, share this with the world. So without further ado, Rick, let's get it started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back, proudly part of the Utini Podcast Network, a Star Wars books podcast that we're trying to format into a holocron where we celebrate our rich EU history, as well as dive into lesser-known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Jared Mays, and I'm joined tonight by my legendary co-hosts, Emily Daybeck. <laughs> oh, wait. Hold up. Emily. Emily, are you there? Uh, for our audio-only listeners right now, what we have coming to us from the sands of Tatooine, Emily is actually on vacation. So she is not here with us. She did, however, send us the spectacular photo earlier. What was the name of the place, guys, that she's at? Did she tell us? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I'm so it, self-absorbed it, it looks... that she gave us an answer, and I forgot it. <laughs> she it mentioned looks like it briefly. Yuma. It looks like Yuma. It looks like Dunes for sure. Definitely the Dunes. Uh, it... I mean, it looks like she could be standing right on top of the Sarlacc pit, doesn't it? Yeah, it almost looks like... So, so driving from California to Arizona, like from uh, usually around San Diego, you will hit the uh basically the these dunes they look just like that it's just a sea of dunes forever and ever and ever and uh very popular man, man it's cool i mean one of my big lifetime like travel goals is to go to star warsy locations either places that were in the filming of star wars or other significant star wars destinations that would definitely be one. It has now made my list. Yeah, it's the Big Dune Recreation Area in Nevada. So, Emily, we'll be very missed tonight. Uh, very missed tonight. We've got an uh, exciting show planned as we wrap up the Rule of Two roundtable, but she got a little baby moon is. Uh, a baby moon in. I almost said, uh, that's no baby moon. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. That's so a I good one. Count. That's uh, a good one. I like that. Thank you, Rick. Yeah. I'm glad it passed your <laughs> pass the Rick dad joke test. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, and what's funny is I saw that picture come in from Emily while I was out in the middle of my driveway shoveling a foot of snow. She said, greetings from Tatooine, and I said, greetings from Hoth, I guess. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Which Freddie followed up very quickly with this. Hey, guys. <laughs> Freddie was on the beach. <laughs> little uh, so little Bert. If you're, if you're keeping track... 
Emily was at the Dune Sea. I was in a an absolute snowstorm, which is way worse in Arkansas because nobody knows how to get it clear. And I don't have a, a what do you call those things? Snowblower anymore. I had to do it all with a shovel. Got a much longer driveway too. It was a whole thing. <laughs> and then uh, Rick, you you said you were somewhere fun too. Uh, yeah, Jared, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm I'm trying to do my best here on Hoth. <laughs> just uh, trying to make it work. Um, I'm I'm freezing my butt out here, man. They took off school today early. We got school canceled for tomorrow. Um, hey, but the good news is, uh. I think I see something warm over there, so um, I'm gonna go uh, go get some some warmth. And, oh, he's uh, inside the <laughs> the Tauntaun guts, and I thought they smelled bad oh. on the outside. <laughs> so that's all I got. <laughs> that is. Rick awesome. said he had something, and he didn't tell us what it was gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed that. So uh, welcome to Freddie. Welcome, Rick. Guys, I'm excited to kick off tonight's show. Excited for us, of course, to continue into our discussion of the, what is it, uh, Darth Bane Rule of Two. Um, tonight we're going to finish up some of the character discussions. We're going to move into the overarching questions. Uh, did see a friend of mine the other day posted on Facebook. She had picked up uh, the new High Republic book, Midnight Horizon, mm. and Rule of Two at the same time. Nice. Just so happen to be the exact two books that I've read this week. Mm. I mean... Amazing when uh, the forks the force works like that, isn't it? Indeed, very interesting. So, yeah, big shout out to her. Now, I do want to give a huge shout out to all of our new patrons. Going to do new patrons update here. I'm going to give a huge shout out to Nathan Roberts. Oh, I used to have a friend named Nathan Roberts. What if it's the same guy? That'd be cool. <laughs> used to play the tuba. Nathan Roberts, if you play tuba, what's up, man? Tuba players. And if yeah. not, if did you play tuba, yeah, Rick? man. <laughs> I love that. I the uh, Stephanie Mack as well. Uh, Stephanie Mack, uh, one of uh, our big fans over here at Legends Look Back. And also uh, Jacob. I have to figure out how to pronounce Jacob's last name. So, uh, Jacob, way to go. Thank you for being one of our patrons. Also, to our annual patrons, want to give a huge thank you to Brandon Medley and Adam as well. Guys, we're not going to do Thracken's Thrift Store tonight. I do, however, want to give at least a minute here to the Legends Lookout Uh We've got to at least say something about this. Freddie, you're the one to kind of interrupt a big argument <laughs> happening behind closed doors at Utini. Big dramatic hubbub about what we thought of a certain book. And Freddie said, oh, hey, by the way, guys, happy 25th anniversary to A New Hope, yeah. the special edition. Yeah, the one that I, that, uh, I mean, I grew up on this. I, I feel like the first introduction you gave me, Jared, we were talking about the special editions and how that was my... Formal, I wouldn't say my formal introduction, but, you know, being a kid, getting to see that in theaters for the first yeah. time, really in that. And I felt like I was seeing Star Wars, you know, for the for the very first time, along with everybody else. So, yeah, uh, same here. Packed, packed house. I mean, there was a ton of people there. Um, <laughs> my, my cousin was actually in a uh, he had a he was playing basketball at the time. So he was handicapped. Uh, so we got in really early. <laughs> And this was in the day when when uh, it was free for all, right? There was no assigned seatings. And uh, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, we got in. We we got a nice seat, and uh, I'll never forget that. So happy twenty fifth anniversary, a new hope special edition. Rick, did you get to see the special editions in theaters in ninety seven? I did not. Nope. I saw the episode one, and you know the rest of the prequel trilogy, but. Uh, I yeah. did. I did see Empire Strikes Back in theater uh, about four or five months ago, though. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and that was an awesome experience. Like, I I love that. So, um, not a new hope. There's nothing like seeing Star Wars movies in the theater. Yeah. There's nothing mm. quite like it. Uh, yeah, Freddie, I've shared the story a million times. Just briefly, I don't know if I've got a happier memory in my entire life <laughs> than standing in the rain. With my dad was a dean of students at a college, which is like 50 college students and us. The fervor for this movie was just phenomenal. People were so excited. Like, they weren't even bothered that we were waiting in line in the rain for a half hour. Yeah. They didn't even, they weren't even mad. And we got in, and I was like sitting in my dad's lap because it was like before stadium seating so that I could see over the head of the college student in front of me. And then the text starts going, and he's reading it as fast as he can, as quietly as possible. And, and I'm just like, I'm seeing something unreal here. That Star Destroyer comes overhead. Mm. 
went straight from there to um, to Walmart to buy me my first Star Wars toy. Nice. <laughs> the uh, Luke Skywalker's land speeder, which I believe just gave a ride to Chopper, um, Saucy Tin, and Ahsoka last nice. night. Gave them a ride uh, <laughs> to the grocery store or something to pick up milk for the snowstorm. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, yeah, there's nothing like nothing like getting to see a Star Wars movie <laughs> in theaters. Now, what else we got here? Um, guys, I think it's time for the show, don't you? Time for some Darth Bane. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Rick, roll the ad, and we'll be right back with Darth Bane Rule of Two. Now, last week we discussed Darth Bane the Rule of Two, specifically talked about Bane for quite a while, talked about Xana a little bit as well. We're going to talk about Xana a little bit more tonight. Um, I mean, we'll have to talk about Bane some, uh, but we're going to get into the overarching questions as well. I went so far as to say on Twitter this evening that it is one of the very best Star Wars books ever written. You think it's a fair assessment, guys? We'll, we'll rank it at the end of the episode. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's uh, it's crazy how how much it reads like a Star Wars story, even though it doesn't talk about any of the same things that you've seen in the movies, right? Like the oh sure, yeah. Uh, the the ships are different. The people are all different. There's a whole series of 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 Jedi that we don't really know. Luke's not around. Leia's not around. Right? It it's it stands on its own very well, and it reads like you give it to anybody. Oh yeah, that's a Star Wars book. That's Star Wars for sure. Right? You, you can tell. Hmm. When a lot of people say I got started with the Bane books, and they're some of my very favorites. Um, I, that's a really good point, Freddie. So many Legends books, you know, focus on the big three, Han, Luke, and Leia, or their children, yeah. right? Um, and this is totally a, a totally fresh group of characters, right? I don't want to say totally original characters, because we discussed on an episode some time ago, Darth Bane's checkered history. Mm. He isn't actually created by um, Drew Carpishan, mm. right? <laughs> He's a... He's originally a George Lucas character, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It, that that's the interesting thing, right? I, I I feel like how how many how many good books are out there with a character that George Lucas created, and I mean the author just absolutely kills it. There's, I feel like some some of the original <laughs> Legends books, you know, there there's some uh, Leia impersonations I'll call them that don't <laughs> quite stack up. Yeah, you know. Uh, Leia's hard to write well. Yeah, uh, but but you know Bane. We never seen Bane. We we've never seen him in in movies, so he doesn't have any background. But the way it comes off in these pages, it like whatever comes out, whatever movie comes out, is gonna have to, if they do anything with Bane, has to just really uh, slap me in the face. <laughs> It's gonna have to be good. I want to see some crawling little orbalisks biting into his flesh. Getting, you know, I want to see some good live action orbalisks whenever this happens. I do, uh, you know, want to say though he's a George Lucas original character, Drew Carpishan does wonders with him, especially considering he's also in this, you know, five issue miniseries Jedi versus Sith, this little comic which is quirky for sure. And then there's also, you know, the uh, the Kevin J. Anderson short story Bane of the Sith. Isn't that what it's called, Freddie? Bane of the Sith, I think so. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've uh, we covered this at one point, probably yeah. for the last Darth Bane. Or we we read the comic. We're on like episode seventy six over here, yeah, Freddie. K- I've forgotten KJA, what all of our episodes have been. Right, KJA, Kevin J. <laughs> Anderson. Yeah. Uh, right, Bane of the Sith. Let's see. It was January two thousand one. That's what I'm seeing here. So then this comes out, you know, 2007 is Rule of Two. 2006, yeah. I think, was uh, Path of Destruction. I believe so. So yeah. this book came out in 2007 covering a George Lucas character who was also first written in a comic and then a short story and now is on book two of a trilogy that are some of the very best Star Wars books ever written. And uh, we are going to talk about that book here tonight. Um, we talked about Bane last week. We talked about Xana a little bit as well. We didn't really have time to totally get around to all of the uh, the Xana questions, though. So uh, I want to ask, guys, you know, what parallels do you see between Xana and Bane's Sith training? What do they have in common? What sets them apart? 
Um, it's obviously not quite following the hero's journey that Luke Skywalker, you know, follows. Hero's journey. Different trajectory here. Well, I mean, you know, Rick, I'll let you take this one because I'm still formulating a little bit of Xana's in my head. Bane's, Bane's I feel like we have a good idea of. Yeah. Um, so I guess both of them have, you know, the, the Sith flair, a bit of cruelty, a bit of learning through failure and the harshest way possible. Um, but Xana, she really didn't get any help. You know, I feel like Bane at the, uh, the what's it called? The Sith's Lord Khan's Academy or whatever he called it. <laughs> um, yeah, and Korriban. Korriban, yeah, that it was, um, you know, it was weak. And that was, Bane learned to despise that that version of Sith training. And so he made a lot of changes for Xana. Um, and so, yeah, there's some things that, you know, Bane still goes over with Xana. Xana, I almost said Hannah, just kind of had that. <laughs> I almost did too. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. And so it's, um, yeah, I think they're they're probably more different than similar in my mind. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Go ahead. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's go to Bane, right? Let's go to his instruction. Bane's training is very much seeking knowledge, uh, even when he was being trained by the Sith. But there's the, there's the, there's the kicker. Bane was taught by other Sith. Right, so he has a full understanding of the different spe- spectrums of the Force, uh, and so does do, so does Zana. Right, Zana also has an idea of the good, the gray area, and the dark side. Personally, I feel like that's that's how how they are similar because they understand the the varying aspects of what what the force does to a certain group right so like the sith is is not banding together and making everybody equal right but that's not if that's not the sith then where does it fall probably a little closer towards the jedi right like uh towards the grayer side it's still dark they're still pretty dark but they're they're leaping out of pure darkness which is what bane wants right he wants the pure sith uh Thing. And and Xana, where they differ is is Xana is very much focused on following this guy, and protecting this guy. Where Bane didn't really do that, right? <laughs> he didn't protect anybody but himself, right? So it, it's you, you can kind of see a huge difference, but there's definitely some similarities. You uh, you make a good point there, that Bane takes out all the other Sith, and. Xana protects Bane, yeah. uh, saves him. Yeah. She's learning from a Sith. He learned from Darth Revan's holocron, <laughs> and also the other, you know, Cordis yeah. and mm-hmm. um, Kasim. Yeah, um, man, what great characters in these books! It's phenomenal. Each one's so Seriously. distinct and unique. Mm-hmm. I would say the big difference for me is that uh, they both have family as part of their lives yeah. in a key way. For Bane, he was abused by his father and then murdered his father. But for Xana, she actually had kind of a healthy childhood. I mean, she (laughs) was close with her. What? uh, For Star Wars, isn't it? (laughs) There was a little group of them. You got to read the comic. You got to read the comic. So there's a little group of them. There's three or four. Uh, Tomcat, Rain. Who are the other ones? Um, Bug. Bug. Bug was the one that met his unfortunate end. I believe. Right. And then I can't I can't recall the last one. So then the childhood trauma involving family is what propels them into the dark path. Yeah. In some form or fashion. Um and then of course in this book, Bane uh Xana's childhood relationships come back into play in a big way. Which really leads me to the next question is uh early in the story they discover that her childhood, you know, best friend, her cousin, Tomcat, uh, in this book, they, you know, give him his, his uh, real name again yeah. to make it a little less goofy like the 2001 comic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they ship from Tomcat to Darovit. Darovit, which sounds like a Star Wars swear word, doesn't yeah, it? it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Darovit... Uh, is still alive, and he sees her, and he's she's hanging out with this big, dark, and brooding man, and he's like, what are you doing? I can't believe you're alive. I'm so glad. 
and Bane says, kill her, and she says there'd be no purpose, kill him, and there's no purpose in his death. So she, what, explodes his hand? Yeah. Explodes. Yeah. Did she explode something that made his hand explode? Uh, I think she used the force to make his hand explode, which is a yeah. terrifying. Yeah. It, it's, you know, someone asked me recently, Darth Bane, is it like, like, can my kid read Darth Bane? And, <laughs> you know, kids like about 10 years old. And, and I, I sat and I was thinking, you know what? This is a very, uh, very intense experience yeah. <laughs> i'd say wait till like 15 yeah yeah mm. i read it at 15 on the beach I feel like you gotta read it with the lights on <laughs> read it in the daytime you gotta beat the yin and the yang right you need a lot of good energy to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like if i'm gonna watch a horror movie i do it during the day on a small screen with the lights on surrounded by loved ones i take lots of breaks yeah. for snacks right that's the only only way i can do a horror movie yeah, I I, yeah, I worked out to this, to this audiobook. It was it was intense. It it would uh, get your adrenaline going. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure, I remember I was running to uh, the Pizant game from book one. Okay. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I don't know where I was going. Marathon. <laughs> I, I remember thinking like this one scene is taking my entire three mile run. <laughs> I cannot believe how long they were playing cards. Mm-hmm. But it was intense. It was. Definitely, I was riveted. It definitely riveted. Now, here's the question, though. Obviously, the childhood trauma is a big part. Their relationships, big part of what makes both Zane, Zane, <laughs> I did it again, Bane and Xana Sith in their own unique way. But should she have killed Darovit back on Rusan? His him being alive ends up coming into play in a huge way later in the book. Do you think it would have helped her become a better Sith? Do you think he was necessary to keep alive? Was it the Force keeping him alive? Hmm. At the time, I remember thinking, oh, that was kind of a sign of weakness Mm -hmm. that she didn't take Mm -hmm. him out. This is an interesting thing, right? Because, you know, if you haven't read towards the end yet, or if you don't know what's going on, then, you know, we won't spoil it, of course, but... It it really begs the question, like, what was, you know, her excuse at the very beginning was it was an unneeded, it was unnecessary. We didn't need to dispatch this guy's life. And really, there was a lot of reason to do that, right? I mean, no one should know that he, that that Bane exists. At least no one who's going to be as credible as this guy. This guy's pretty credible. I mean, he knows... He, he's he's like the first connection of of knowing the Sith. So in my opinion, that's where Xana could have probably changed a lot in this story. I mean, what would have honestly happened, right? If we got towards the end of this book, and you know, it, it, it just it's a very curious thing. <laughs> it's honestly a very hard thing to to really take in and, and figure out. Was she influenced by the Force? Right? Was was the reason the feeling? Was that a force thing that kind of changed the direction of things because of how chaotic everything was starting to be or mm. uh, correction, right? It's There's a lot of things that play into it. It's crazy. Yeah, what do you think, Rick? Um, yeah, similar to a lot of what Freddie said, I think that, um, you know, I originally thought it was a weakness that her letting him live was she was looking for an excuse to impress her master while still having some empathy for him. I mean, it isn't. It doesn't read like empathy, but still, like, I mean, yeah, imploding, exploding someone's hand is not very empathetic. <laughs> as much as she uh, could empathize. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, and, and I again, without trying to get into spoilers, it would have prevented some problems, but it makes for a good story that she didn't, you know. And so, I can understand. Oh, we're, it. Full, we're full. We're full spoilers. Yeah. Full spoilers. Um. We didn't spoil the ending last week simply because I hadn't finished reading the book. <laughs> All right, I'll admit it. I hadn't finished it. I have now. I have now. I just couldn't quite get the summary right. I've read the book four or five times, but, you know, you read 100 Star Wars books in between yeah. each reread. You forget the some of the details. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the big things about Xana in this book is you think, because it is so open-ended, you don't know what happens yeah. to her, her history you don't know, is she actually going to be his Sith successor? Say that five times fast. Or 
is she going to fall back to the light? Darvit believes that that she can be turned and sees that imp- that empathetic side that you've just talked about. Mm-hmm. Darvit sees that and gambles that she is going to turn back to the light, and she doesn't. Do you think? Do you think he was wrong to believe in her? It's one of these things in Star Wars. We believe in the redemption story. Mm. Luke Skywalker redeems Darth Vader. I mean, that is the core, the heart of Star Wars. And this time, he gambles on it, and it doesn't work. Mm. Do you think there was light in Xana? Do you think he was wrong to try this? Hmm. Interesting. Um, so I think uh, kind of on like a, a worldview level almost, I mean, sure, I believe there's good for everybody, um, you know, and so maybe she could have been redeemed, um, brought back. Um, at the same time, though, I really don't love Derivit as a character. He just annoys me. <laughs> and so it's kind of like there was no hope, foolish boy, you know, or, you know, man, man, child or whatever. So um, one handed farmer. Yeah. And so I I um, I don't know. I didn't really didn't feel too bad when that plight fa- or when that that plot point failed um you know but yeah i believe that anybody's within redeeming uh but definitely not every (laughs) every star wars villain is going to be redeemed or should be redeemed you know so yeah that's a good point that's a very good point why why should we redeem some of these villains like how often does redeeming actually happen right It, it it keeps things a little spicy and uh i mean there's there's a lot of evil in the galaxy that's about to happen, right? And mm. that has to that's I mean that all, that's all happening, right? That's all happening. It's all the machinations of 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 pure the opposite of the Jedi well, and we all know the Jedi are going to rebuild and and the the light side of the force is going to be way overbalanced. And in order to meet that, you know, we're going to get some very dark things happening and uh sure you know, we see it in Plagueis, the number one canon book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's never going to die. That's right. Well, the fact of the matter is, from my perspective, that makes the book so much better, so much more Shakespearean in the sense that you kind of are rooting for this character, and then when she doesn't mm. take that redemption when it's offered, and there's not a happy ending... Mm-hmm. That is kind of what makes the book such a masterpiece. Yes. Uh, same as Revenge of the Sith. Yes. It is heartbreaking, but beautiful for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Beautiful oh, for man. it. And I think that actually makes the... Uh, it also makes the like redemption of somebody like Darth Vader all the more powerful. Yes. Because a lot of times people have that option and don't take mm. it. Yeah. And so when it does work, it really pays off more, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the way, and the way her, her anti-redemption went was Mm -hmm. absolutely chaotic (laughs) yeah (laughs) so right you know you know as i'm rooting for and against xana on the one hand i'm kind of like i want her to live up to her sith potential Mm. the other part of me likes her she's a really lovable character she's connected to family she takes care of bane even though he doesn't take care of her and yet has her own unique angle on being a Sith in terms of she is into the alchemy side, the sorcery side of things. She's got a double-bladed lightsaber. Yeah, um, man. More secretive oh, yeah. and uh, she's like a, a double agent. She uses men to get what she wants and then murders them. I mean, she's really compelling. Mm-hmm. But it leaves me in this weird space where I'm at with Bane and uh, something like Plagueis, for example, where there's like no protagonist, really. Would you would you say that the Sith are the protagonists, or do you find yourself rooting for the Jedi, hmm. like uh, Valentine Farfalla and what's his what's uh, the other guy's name that's in this book? Johan, uh, jo- yeah, Johan? Sebastian. I almost called him Rohan, but I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. It, do you find yourself rooting for or against the Jedi? Uh, naturally, hmm. I do. Right, and and when we get to their fate. It uh, it really sinks in. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, this book can't, can't, we can't lose these guys. <laughs> According to Star Wars, 
and Star Wars history. We know what's coming, and that's the, that's such the crazy. That's a that's how I don't even know how to explain it, but that's the crazy thing with this book, is that although we have a general idea of what happens in Star Wars, it's still an it still just throws you into a completely new realm of of like okay I, as much as i want these guys to win like you really want the jedi to win unless you're heather or mm. you know <laughs> one of our other uh dark side loving friends in in the uh utiniverse mm. but uh you know it, it it's it's the reality though that's that's what i feel like a lot of this book is it's reality right and often evil doesn't serve doesn't doesn't give justice it, it takes a while right and and uh especially when you're so deceptive like the sith so it's a very it's a very interesting take it's almost mm. biblical <laughs> <laughs> i know it is a valentine farfalla for me is one of my very favorite star wars characters it's with the way that he believes in hoth in book one and like, even though when hoth is an absolute jerk to him yeah. He okay. continues to persist with kindness, but is also like flamboyantly fashionable. Yeah. He's, like a, he's like a Fabio uh, to me in my head. Yeah. See, I can I can I have it for a second? I um, absolutely. So I'm gonna disagree a little bit now, Jared. That last point you made about uh, the 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 character growth between him and Hoth is great. I, I'm with you there, but I kind of had the mindset going into these books. That this is an anti-hero story, you know, you're gonna like yeah. the Sith. It's just part of it. And so I really did not like most of the Jedi. <laughs> and like um Farfalla, he reminded me of like uh I've said this before, but like a uh annoying Thor um <laughs> kind of figure where he just like he's obnoxious. He comes in the room and you just ugh, roll your eyes and like I just didn't like him. Like like you said, there's some great moments for him, and so you might might sway me a little bit. But I, um, you know, I kind of enjoyed watching the Jedi fl- flounder. Is that the word? Um, sure. And so I, I enjoyed it. You know, it was very different, a different take, different perspective. But it could just be because right. I had that mindset going in of <laughs> yeah. everything is inverted. So I don't know. You know, the, right. the crazy thing, Rick, is is during the fight with the Jedi, I was doing some squats. I was doing <laughs> some nice squats. I got to get ready for when Jared's here. I got I to gotta oh. get the, uh, the Sebaioth, you know, workout going on. I was curling uh, <laughs> those those donuts, you know. <laughs> so I was listening to that whole fight when I was working out, and mm. and there was a second in my life where I was like, "Oh my goodness, I feel like I would want to be a Sith because you're just so powerful." Mm. <laughs> because you see, you see the Jedi, right? And there's battle meditation, and they're good. There's battle meditation. There's an Ithorian <laughs> who. Is absolutely the strongest person in the entire fight because he's sitting in a corner using the very best superpower in all of the EU, <laughs> battle meditation. Yes, an Ithorian doing battle meditation. Yeah, yeah, that was that was so cool, man. But but once they figured out the strategy and the fact that Bane was, I mean, they were really trying to harm Bane, and and there was a high chance that it could have been successful. But if it, it you know. That's where you see how powerful the Sith are. Without that battle meditation, mm-hmm. they were like nothing, man. They were, they were just like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah, pathetic. it's over quickly. Yeah. yeah, it is absolutely one of the best lightsaber battles ever written oh, yeah. in all oh, of the totally. EU. Definitely, I'll go out on a Definitely. limb and say the final battle in Rule of Two is one of the top five. Very best uh, lightsaber battles ever written. Yeah, um, definitely the most memorable scene in the whole trilogy for me. Yep. Oh, most memorable in the whole. Trilogy. Other than wow. the very last chapter of the trilogy, but oh yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's very very good writing and just good story. Totally. Totally. Not the Pazak. <laughs> the Pazak game. I mean, that was good too. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. I mean. Uh, it, it... Even in the audiobook, like I, I just yeah. don't get it, but it, it can really just suck you in, and you're just listening to this whole thing happen, and and you're seeing yeah. it, which is nuts, right? Like the fact that you can visualize it. So, you know, I'm thinking uh, maybe one of these these uh, Patreon exclusives, we're gonna read you some passages of Bane. Oh man! Oh, I want to be the Ithorian. Okay. <laughs> 
please. Can I can I make your yes, can we... I make your voices and be the translator for you? Yes. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> There's a bunch of us at Utini who love Ithorian and Ithorians, Andrew and Corey and me in particular. In Kotor, the fact that there's so many conversations where like, you can't skip it, and they just <laughs> talk out of both sides of their faces, and they go on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and I just sit there like, yeah, no big deal. This is normal. That's and then so my funny. wife walks in. She's like, what are you doing in here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that sounds weird to somebody who's not immersed in this stuff. That's funny. <laughs> well, we've talked about the characters. There's so much more, so much more we could say. Uh, I'm a little bit on the fence on this particular question. On um, is there a hero? Like, is there a, a protagonist of these books? Um, do you find yourself rooting for or against the Jedi? I'm a little bit on the fence. I, uh, Johan is very fallible. Is obsessed with the death of his master, so he's a Jedi. You, you like, you don't really mind watching him bite it. <laughs> But it's he also, but I love, I love Farfall, like, Farfalla with every fiber of my being. But Johan's the only and one. He's had a heroic death. He's the only one who didn't have the blinders on though about the Sith, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and so True. that made him more admirable for, to me because Farfalla was like, "There's no problems. Everything's fine. This is peace, <laughs> and you know all that." So I'd love for you to paint this Farfalla you have in your head, and <laughs> I would love to see Jared paint his version and just see how different they look. <laughs> That'd be fair. Mine. Man, he's oh, I love him. I love him. Yeah, yeah. But the, uh, just like any prequel era Jedi, they're 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 fallible. Yes, yeah, it's fair. They they're high and mighty, but they have extremely redemptive qualities. Obi Wan, for example, you know, I mean, you you can't not love Obi Wan, yeah. right? And you also, there's no way around the fact that he is absolutely to blame for everything that ever went wrong <laughs> in all of Star Wars. I could maybe try to argue it just for argument's sake. But uh, it's not I'm his fault. About Bane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, yeah. We'll move on. Yeah. We'll, we're gonna do a lot of Obi Wan this year. Yes. The Kenobi, this new mm. Kobe, Kenobi comic announced today. Mm. In fact, as of recording this show, uh, we've got the Kenobi show. We've got the Essential Legends collection coming out. Uh, this we're gonna have plenty of time. Plenty of time. Now let's get to the overarching questions for a few minutes here. I've got a quote. Very rarely do I pull this. Oh, I should have pulled up the audio book. Uh, no, my phone is my camera. I was like, "Where's my phone?" <laughs> I don't have it. Now, here's a quote. I'll do. I'll just uh, read it myself. Bane said on page twenty-five: "Few be few beings in the galaxy ever get what they truly deserve." He noted, choosing his words with care. The dark side was not easily understood. Even he was still learning to work his way through its complexities and contradictions. He had to be careful not to overwhelm his young apprentice, yet it was important that she grasp the essence of what he had done here. Our mission is not to bring death to all those unfit to live. We answer to a greater calling. All I have done on Rusan, and all that we will do from this day forward, must serve our true purpose, the preservation of our order and the survival of the Sith. Hmm. Man, first of all, some amazing writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Second of all, he he mentions the complexities and contradictions of the dark side. Mm. I whatever I was doing, I might have been running at the time. I stopped, paused, and wrote this down. I can't wait for us to get into this question. What, in your opinion, are the complexities and contradictions of the dark side? <laughs> it might be the most difficult question I've ever asked on Legends Look Back. Hmm. I've I've got a thought. Fred, do you want to go first? Um, not really. I'm still thinking. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll jump in. So, um, what I, I think of immediately is, um, oh gosh, I've got the phrase. Um, so like natural selection evolution, you know, mm -hmm. the strongest survive and, and continue to, um, to propagate, go forward and all that. And so the rule of two is not logical, if you want to keep an idea going, you know, you, if you're talking about the spread of ideas or, or beliefs, you want to have as many people share those ideas or beliefs as possible. And so the not very great at evangelism, right? The, uh, yeah, definitely not. The definitely words. not. Right. And so the idea of having a one master and, and one apprentice is very contradictory. And, and the idea of you want the, the dark side uh, and the, the legacy of the Sith to endure. Um, because, you know, all it takes is 
a super skilled Jedi to really knock out both Master and Apprentice, and it's done. So hypothetically, you know, it could have happened, and you know, um, it would have been eradicated. So um, that's the first thing I see. I guess is um, you know, for for this to really work, you have to instead of expanding, you have to limit and refine. Um, and so that's something that I thought of. I'll come back after my brain restarts a little bit. That's a good point. So, that's a good point. What you got, Freddie? This is where I feel like you have to dig into like the fundamentals of what is the dark side, what is the light side. And we see the light side uh, of the force being order, uh, peace, dipl- diplomacy, right? Uh, equality, etc. On the other side, we have chaos uh search for power right uh and relentlessness selfishness it's everything opposite of what what the light side are and and it's very much the you know george lucas wrote this with heaven hell kind of thing in mind right the sith were obviously the demons and within that as you heard is is chaos right but but a lot of these things conflict with each other because how can you preserve an order when there's no order with chaos, right? So, like, really the mm, dark sure. side of the Force should probably be just, like, some insanely crazy person that's just pure darkness who doesn't, like, there's no, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's no thought, but you can't do that because you need deception. You see that with a couple people, like Niall and yeah. Vitiate. But then you need deception, right? Deception's important, too, because lying... Uh, it's the same thing. It's everything opposite of, of what the Jedi would do, truth and lying, right? So it just seems like there's almost too much chaos, and it's like trying to describe the word nothing. What? How do you describe nothing? But then you turn it into something, right? Mm. So that's why I feel like there's a lot of I- interesting things because you can't be too chaotic. You have to be mm. just a little chaotic because if, if you go too far off the deep end, then you become some, you know, pure energy of darkness whereas if you do the other thing you come up bleed glowy <clears throat> that's right <laughs> this reminds me freddie of the quote from 30 rock when tracy jordan says um we're diving into into the philosophical deep end hmm. and if you grab onto me we'll both drown <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so that's where i feel like we're at with this that's a good point though because in in swotor right in star wars the Old republic this is not the biggest spoiler for it it could be considered spoilery. I don't think so, but it's it's at least in Revan in that in the <laughs> Revan book. So you've been warned. Give me fifteen seconds here. Vitiate, the Emperor, is a planet consumer. He consumes life energy. Yeah. He is he is a void and lives forever. Right? He's eternal by consuming. He is is endless dark side hunger. What you're describing, yeah. Freddie. And even some of the Sith Lords realize he's too dangerous to be left alive, right? They, they, they realize that's not good for the Sith. That's not good for the galaxy. It's not good for anything. <laughs> and, the, and so they have to take him out. So even the Sith team up with the Jedi, some Sith, in order to take him out, right? Mm. So there's a contradiction. Mm-hmm. I was hit with another one in this book. Xana reflects on the fact that Bane had never been a father to her. Oh, yeah. He had been a harsh master, but never like a father, never a father figure. You've got a, a grown man raising a little girl, but is not like a father. But he needs her to not kill him prematurely so that she can learn enough to keep the Sith going, mm. but also not hate him too much. And so then you see Xana choose to save Bane, even though she doesn't love Bane. Uh, this this whole issue of like what is their relationship like the complexities of their relationship yeah really really was throwing me for a loop as I was reading mm-hmm. you know the visual I had in my mind when I pictured them and it really helped me understand their dynamic was uh, I don't play God of War so I apologize in advance if I get these names wrong but there's you know that video game God of War uh, where is it Kratos. Uh, anyway he's got his son with him and and uh you kind of go you play this video game right and and your son's tagging along and he's like you know kill that kill that deer right and it's he's trying to teach him how to hunt and it's very matter of fact not so much 
not so much like sure. are you okay it's just like if you die you die <laughs> you need to learn how to survive <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's more of like a, a mentor if anything but you know this person doesn't care about xana's life there's so many of these contradictions i think like yeah. why would she respect him enough to follow his crazy rule that he just invented mm-hmm. <laughs> well yeah um when the entire point of the dark side is like take shortcuts mm. and achieve power at any means necessary, but she's not allowed to team up with anybody to overthrow him. She has to do it by herself. Can, <laughs> so why wouldn't she take the shortcut when that's mm. the entire point of the Sith? Can I um, ramble yeah. a little bit more about uh, <laughs> the Force philosophy? <laughs> do it. Uh, yeah, so y'all got me thinking. This is a great, great question. Um, you know, I think... Going back to the way George Lucas set up Star Wars in the universe, he he drew from a lot of like Eastern um, philosophy and religion, you know, Taoism, the yin yang of two good and evil in balance. Um, and I think in Star Wars and you know maybe in in um, our world too that maybe that's a, a false dichotomy where neither of those are the right option. You know, we see sure. we see by the sequel trilogy and um, and also a legends, but how the Jedi order is flawed and it fails and it, it ultimately does not measure up. I think the same is true with, with, you know, the Sith. And so on a larger mm. philosophical scale, like neither of them really understand the force. They're just attempting to make sense of it and make yeah. a way that's understandable. I have the, you know, the Jedi and the Sith code pulled up in here and, you know, they have very different paths that they, they take, but they both arrive, you know, as an understanding of the force. And so I think they just misunderstand the force, but they have to stick to their, their worldview or their, their way of making sense of it. Um, but yeah. I think that they're, you know, they're wrong that there's a third option or, you know, a different option that, um, hasn't been in the mainstream story of star Wars yet that maybe we'll see in some of the new stuff. Um, that's really interesting. Uh, Rick, do you remember from college, the parable of the blind men and the elephant? Oh, um, you ever heard this one, Freddie? No, I haven't. It's this is my favorite little parable. I tell this thing all the go time. Go for it. The six the six men of Indostan. It's a nineteenth century poem by William Godfrey Sachs, mm. but it's an it's older than the poem. The poem is perfect. You look it up. The 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 blind men of Indostan. The six men of Indostan. The idea is there's six blind men all grasping at an elephant making conclusions about what the elephant is. So one touches the tail and says, I know, an elephant is like a rope. Oh, okay. Another touches the ear and says the elephant is like a fan. One touches the side of the elephant and says an elephant is like a wall, right? So forth and so on. Um, They each reach logical conclusions based on the part of the elephant they have access to, but they're blind. They can't see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. They don't, they, they get so cemented on their conclusion that they don't feel around for more of the elephant either. Mm-hmm. And people use that about religion. Now, I, as a Christian, <laughs> my perspective on it, you're welcome to disagree with me. I won't be mad. My perspective is that we're not just grasping around in the dark. I believe in divine revelation that God has turned the lights on and has revealed himself. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have to get into that to any more detail other than to say with Star Wars, I think it works really well mm. with Star Wars. I think it works really well that, that uh, the Jedi and the Sith are both just grasping around in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're both touching opposite parts of the elephant you know, yeah. and they can't meet in the middle. If you want yep. to see George Lucas's vision of what the force is, uh, I definitely recommend the Mortis trilogy in the Clone Wars. It will mm. it will mm-hmm. truly describe a lot of events to you. And the Legends version. The, the Legends, yeah, of course. I mean, you. Be- <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is before. It's the same version. This is the yeah yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the Mortis trilogy will teaches you a lot about what like basically what happens in in the environment, right? Like the Force, how it's how it's transformed uh it goes into like mythology which is very interesting uh but ultimately you know i I feel like the strong thing that could really 
I guess, keep everything in balance is somebody right in the middle. And that's what that's what Anakin was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the one that wrangles both the light and the dark. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. happened was the, the dark side of the force did something and got rid of the light. And that's where the whole de- de- diving into the darkness fully wrangled in happened. So mm. looking at it from that aspect, right? Like I feel like in order to keep the balance of the force, you have to be right in the middle. And how, who, who did that? Might start with an R. All the gray Jedi. Oh. Evan. Evan. <laughs> I was about to Evan. say Ahsoka, but yeah, I gotcha. Definitely. You know, Revan. Uh, was we should do a balance. Revan roundtable sometime, oh, okay. like just about the character, mm-hmm. not the book. Yeah. I mean, there, the, Revan is what a lot of. I would say, especially Bane, right? Aspire to be, and it's exactly like your parable. They're just touching one part of the elephant, and Bane sees, and we talked about this during the first book, Bane sees only the Sith part of Revan, doesn't see the whole story. Right. Yeah, like uh, Kylo Ren only sees the Darth Vader side yeah. of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Doesn't know. doesn't know the whole story there either. What, what an episode. Man, this yeah. Is, uh... We've got... <laughs> Thank you, Rule of Two, uh, for bringing out Philosophy of the Force 101. <laughs> we got the, the mural reveal, Emily's in Tatooine. <laughs> we got elephants, religion, Mortis. Yeah. Woo, everything. We even get to the bouncers. We get to the bouncers, the, uh, the goofy little fluff balls that read your mind. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got one last fun little question before we wrap up the show. Got to have some kind of a goofy little fun game to play when we do some kind of a round table (laughs) here's my question if you were a sith lord and you were gonna have some kind of like unique quality (laughs) some kind of unique you know like thing when they put you in the sith lord encyclopedia what would be the thing to remember you by for bane there's a lot of different things um the one that i got in 2002 is 2003 between episodes two and three coming out the new essential guide to characters it's the one where he's covered he's got the big goofy helmet (laughs) and the purple lightsaber and the orbalisk armor looking kind of like freddy's hat honestly (laughs) like those neon colors neon 90s orbalisks what would be your unique organic goofy uh, thing that sets you apart Huh. I'd like to think, you know, we could we could expand the question, narrow the question down to say if you were covered in an organic uh, <laughs> creature for body armor, what would it be? Um, uh, Freddie, you got something? Uh, you know, it, it's a little different, so I'll hit this in two ways. One, I would like uh, basically a thing, right? So maybe some sort of ancient technology or something mm. I built. I don't know. Uh, that can turn into whatever weapon that I want. So it could be like, you know, hardcore brass knuckles, or I can whip it into like a katana or a mace. <laughs> I feel like that it would sounds be... kind of like the Yuzhan Vong Amphistash. There you go. Sure, I'll take that. <laughs> but um, uh, the other thing, if I were covered in something, I think it'd be cool to be uh, covered in like rhino beetles, you know, like on your <laughs> shoulders. Oh, cool. Be, like very samurai esque. <laughs> that would be cool. That's a good idea. Hmm. I was thinking snakes, Ooh. just uh, yeah, like yeah. they're all over your body. They slither to, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, <laughs> just slithering, uh, intertwined, yeah, into an armor, a mesh. Okay. That's right. Uh, so my first thought was uh, good old uh, slimy naked Palpatine. Just uh, just slimy go for some. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> someone tries to hold you down and whoop, you just slide out of that. Um, but no. Like those water wigglers? Yeah, there you go. Um, but then um, then I thought, I'm going to go back to my my poor conception of the Orbalisk and go for a, like, Ninja, Ninja Turtle, Ninja, yeah, Ninja Turtle turtle shell and be uh, Darth Donatello with my whole little cave I can go into and retreat, so... Nice. Wait, did you think the orbalist like there was just one single orbalist? Well, I knew that there are multiple that he lived but inside. But I pictured, yeah, like a shell, <laughs> like a like that's the only way that I can understand like the growing. Like it started as like a, a plate, and then it just expanded, and maybe had a couple of them, you know. But like, yeah, that that's that was my first read. That was my hmm. mental image. And so I'm gonna so, I'm gonna ugh. put mine together with yours, and we'll see if this is the number one decision here. 
we're going to be a Sith Master who can call upon an object that turns him into Donatello or <laughs> or Michelangelo. So you've got the different weapons. <laughs> there you go. you've got the shell. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm pulling the plug on this thing. <laughs> All right, guys. How would you rate the book? What's your rating? What's your score? We didn't oh, do this man. last week on accident. So let's do it here. Now at the end of the round table, um, hmm. th- this for me might be like a 9.2 yeah. or a 9.4, right in that ra- So we'll split the difference. We'll call it a 9.3, 9.3, like incredible, uh, over a nine, one of the very best Star Wars books, hmm. but it's probably like nine out of my top 10. Like it's probably toward the bottom of my top 10 hmm. Star Wars books ever. Okay. Oh, man. That's fair. And I gave I gave Bane I gave the first book lower. I gave it lower than that. I don't remember what it is, but yeah. we just make sure we say it's lower. Yeah, that's interesting. I think this one's better. I really I really like the first one because it, it was very detailed and it was going through the martial arts. I love that part, man. I could have had two books of probably just the details of everything he was doing and uh, you know, come up with his his workout regimen, whatever that was. It's like a martial artist's dream. Hmm. Uh I, I liked how there's a lot of training sequences there is and, and you know the the Pazak, for instance going through that whole scene and and being at the table with this book it was very quick it was battling running away uh finding things like on a hunt on a search like he's he's not encumbered by anything now he can do whatever he wants and he's doing it but at the same time you know there's there's a threat looming and uh he also his his search for for everything. It, it's a very fast paced thing, right? There, there, it covers a lot of space, a lot of different places. So it's tough for me because I really like that first one and how detailed it was. But man, if you want to hmm. work out and work out really hard, <laughs> this is the book, man. I give this a solid nine. I'm gonna give it a nine, just under. We need a new Patreon show called Getting Fit with Freddy. Ooh. <laughs> Yep, and then then the counter show would be getting round with Rick. <laughs> getting round. <laughs> Speaking of which, my wife has been making cinnamon rolls while we're up here. Oh. I can smell them wafting up. I can't wait to go down and grab some. What you got, Rick? So okay, um, I'm terrible at rating, so I have no clue what I wrote it rated for the the first book. And no, me neither. Uh, honestly, <laughs> this book didn't wow me as much on my first on my second read through as it did my first uh it's still an incredible book but i think in my head i'd built up higher expectations for it and so i think i'll feel better once i finish the whole trilogy and kind of you know complete the story uh so i'm gonna give it an 8.5 um still an incredible book but wasn't wasn't as good on the second read through for me that's fair that's absolutely fair We've got to read it a third time. There you go. And see how yeah. it does. <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? Absolutely. That's the way it goes. Well, that does it for this week. Thanks, guys, for being here. And uh, looking forward to having Emily back here with us very soon. Uh, we've got a lot of more fun content headed your way in the weeks to come. Want to especially um, plug the new Patreon show coming out tomorrow. I've seen the early footage of it, and I'm really excited to share this with the world. So I uh, want to give everybody, you just have to be a $10 patron for one month to get the access. Um, you might want to be a Patreon subscriber for longer than that, but, you know, <laughs> I do want to get a chance to share this with the world. Come out tomorrow, which is February 4th, 2022, on uh, Eugenie's Patreon. I'm going to do, what are we calling it? The Yavin Base Build. Nice. Episode 1, Yavin Base Build, Episode 1. Uh, coming up next week on Legends Look Back right here at uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 Central on YouTube.com slash Utini. We've got our Valentine's Spectacular, the Legendary Love Lives. I'm very excited to get to share that with all of you. want to give a special thank you to our patrons. As we said earlier at the top of the show, the new patrons do want to also say a special thank you to Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sander, OK Indar, and JG Kars on our Jedi High Council, as well as Elizabeth Cloutier, Sally, and Chris Eilerson, uh, Freddie C? Yeah, yeah, Freddie C, Earl Q, and Matt Billington on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. We want to remind everybody to remember to sub to the channel and leave us a review in your podcast platform of choice. If you're digging the show, 
it might just help somebody else learn to dig it too. If you'd like your thoughts right on the show, you can email us at legendslookbackutini.com. You can send a message in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. You can, of course, leave a comment on this episode on YouTube. Find us on Twitter at Legends Look Back. Uh, Emily is at Darth Dayback. I am at Jared Q. Mays. Freddie. At Wake Up Freddie. And Rick. At Rick underscore Grace. If you're looking to buy some of these books, such as Darth Bane, Rule of Two, with that beautiful Simon Goynard cover, you can go on over to utini.com, click the book profile, and from there, click the Amazon link, and you can go on over, and it gives us, you know, like 4% to help keep the lights on. If you like the book after reading it, you can leave us a review there, too. We'd love to know what you think. Remember, everybody, keep the Eugenie fan code and be a force for positivity in the fandom. May the force be with you. This is a Eugenie broadcast. 